0: Hello, I'm Andrew. In this series, I shall be reading a story that will help to illustrate popular saying. And the first one on this list here is Why keep a dog and bark yourself? I hope after the story, you'll able to find out if it actually illustrates this popular saying. Why keep a dog and back yourself? Well, since I'm going to be reading, it is better I provide a preview for you so that you should be all ears while I read. What does it actually mean? Why keep a dog and back yourself? It is wrong to do something that should be done by someone to do it so let me go back to the story in the last portion of the month of May dr. Loyola went against his natural inclination to hire somebody to do the job he could have performed himself he had he had always been an independent minded person who could undertake any task within the home except a certain level of training expertise was required there were occasions outside the home where he did the same thing of accomplishing a simple task of his own accord. Such was his mind said that he had often correlated himself when nobody was willing to do so. He prized himself before his workmates on what he had done in that regard. On May 19th, he decided he could not continue pruning the bed of flowers around his home. He sought somebody who could feed that role. It was pretty difficult getting such person to agree on what he had in mind because it was not every day he was expected to attend to the bouquet of flowers. Loyola had always loved flowers and he did all he could to plant a variety of popular types. He was superciliously mad, manned or passionate about flowers and he was ready to sacrifice anything for it. It was always filled with awe at the sight of African daisy with a twist of amaranthus. At the backdrop would be the purple mickweed and the violet pink and white flowers. He saw the lopsidedness in their growth, though he admired the luxuriance and the everyday brilliance when the rays of the sun shone on it. He needed the gardener to prune and bring out the desirable shape That would be worth the investment. It really cost him a fortune to get it done. Each time the newly employed gardener would set about his task, Dr. Loyola would watch from his windows and he never failed to add a piece of advice or the other. How the gardener felt about his comments was secondary. Kenneth worked hard at his new job and he always kept to time. He fed that would impress his employer as a serious-minded person. He dug deep to the undergrowth, clearing the way for the proper maintenance of the flowers. He straightened some entangled branches and cut off the ones that appeared unwanted. Ethan Loyola saw the heap of branches cut down. He would question Kenneth over it. He was unfortunate to have the right equipment for his job. But he felt a strain of unease at the presence of his employer before he started out in his daily schedule he would be lectured and taken through his metapieces. it was like his employer was an authority on flowers and he had a strong intention of labeling the garden as one of the low intelligence or a difficult to adapt person at the beginning of a new year when the rest of the family had not returned from a native home visit Dr. Lorela was finding it extremely difficult to cope with kitchen regime and other unforeseen chores. He felt what he had to eat would be as light as a summer He would not bother anybody about it. He was even happy to see his wife and his two children off with their mother, though he looked forward to their return soon enough. He kept up with the pace of domestic activities when he saw how the gardener had settled down to his job and he only needed a little supervision. When it came to preparing his meals, he thought he could reenact his boyhood days of rolling up his sleeves for a nice cuisine section. He promised himself a light and rustled up meal in the morning, eat out in the afternoon at work, and settle for a well-prepared and satisfactory meal in the evening. That was exactly where he could not resolve the hiccup. He could return and assume the strength he had in the morning walked sluggishly to the kitchen area and ultimately made a mess of himself. There was a particular time he mistook the sink for the fireplace because he was really dog-tired. Immediately he ran an advertisement for a qualified cook and a domestic server. He felt he was going to be fulfilled. His present need would have been met after a week of experimentation. She was recommended by one of his subordinates in his hospital job. She was a fiscally strong like one of this village bread a tolerably neat. She had these religious airs about her and she would talk about it for ages. She had agreed to come in the morning and the evenings because she lived a stone stroll from Dr. Loyola's house. She was good at her job but he needed her to do something close to his palate. Once in a while he would pop in to instruct her what and what she should not add. No matter how light and whatever the shape the me was going to take, he had a sole contribution to make. It was as if he must be fiscally present before she could turn out a good me. He had even gone to the extent of reminding her that means must be done on his return in the evenings which she complied with. She could have felt iris at intrusion. She did have the God to remind him. She never did. There were unfortunate incidents in which his input made a complete disaster of many unfortunate means. She hoped he could realise how worrisome that was to her. Mrs Rotimi bit her lips and knees at this and she looked forward to the day he would let her do her job. It was after four years that to Dr Loyola that he needed to change many of the clothes in his wardrobe he had never grown to like tight fitting trousers and shirts jump up trousers and shorts to go with it he saw himself discarding such clothes and he was desirous of getting new ones he seriously planned to get wraps of clothes and wraps of cloth and get a tailor to have them soon to his taste because of the sense of urgency that attended it He felt it was going to be a quick fix. He prayed the tailor would not be very much occupied to have his work done on time. It would be too tiresome for him to wait to have it done. He loses patience easily, and he wondered what would become of him at the tailor's failure. He had worked for him in the past. He had even worked for some of his friends. Why would he spend time convincing him on why he should fast track his own work? he made up his mind to visit the tailor on a Saturday morning, which he felt would be less busier than the weekdays. He met Martins of Cloth and he kick started on what he needed the tailor to accomplish. Each time he picked up a particular wrapper of cloth, the tailor would watch him for Donkey's ears, showing an illustration from a fashion magazine. It was quite interesting watching Dr. Loyola and some of his customers we were delighted at his show of pretended expertise at the tailoring job. It was his voice that went in Crescendo and diminendo that really fascinated all and sundry. The apprentices would stare and chuckle at his remonstrations and gesticulations. They would note that his unexpected compliments and withdrew to his, their shares at his caustic statements. He was a daring do sort of person in picking up a measuring tape and other tailoring tools to define and outline what shape and size of clothes. Needed. The penalty for not fulfilling it was grave, though his seriousness of it was diminished by his intermittent smiles. Again and again Loyola went from the hemline to the grommet. He was tridently opposed to the tailor's idea of a folded bottom, oversimplified seams and fly. He also objected to the elaborate white striped waistband and pockets. The tailor was at loss, but how to dissuade him from thinking. In that direction as style. He had a growing awareness that he could not openly turn him down, otherwise, he would lose one of his steady customers. When he came to the shirt, Dr. Loyola sat deliberately to point out how the front panels would bulge out and be ornamented with elegant fabric. He would rather he had a multicolored front placket than a plain one. The colour band had to be embedded with padded out materials and the same with the cuff of the long sleeves. Each time the tailor seemed to have resisted his move, he would checkmate him. He repeatedly reminded him that he did not want the suit clothes to be fit and size. So the bed loop, back yoke, and back rice must be in symmetry. If Mr. Tuchuku had to satisfy his customer, he had pretty well let Dr. Loyola in on his every step. His wife had called to inform Dr. Yula the day she would finally return home. His immediate concern was his Lexus RS300 model, which had broken down. He had a minor accident with the taxi cab, and the damages were shared. Most of the parts were malfunctioning, and his intention was to call a mechanic to assess the level of damage and what repairs could be quickly effected. This was the car his wife normally used while while his was a BMW i8, now with his wife. He needed to get the repairs right away. The mechanic was quick to point out the crack on the windscreen and the wiper blade that had gone rickety. There was a visible dented on the right chassis while still pointing out the malfunctioning engine oil fitter oxygen sensor and hoses, those were the internal parts which he eventually gave the cost of. It was while haggling for the price of the item that he almost lost his temper. The mechanic was very much at home with what the damage in the car entailed, but Dr. Loyola was not prepared to toe his line. He remembered he had done a bit of auto mechanics at a very young age, precisely in his teens. He really had to see the mechanic down to point out what needed to be done. He drew up plans, which he elaborated on, and after working at the major repairs to be carried out, he handed the copy to the mechanic. If the car could be kept in good shape before her return, he would be happy about it. The following day, the mechanic arrived with two of his apprentices and set about fixing the minor areas. Dr. Loyola wore his gloves and brought out his tools to work on the suspension brake pad and the battery cables. He wasted no time in reminding the mechanic the area of the engine he will work on next. He lay underneath the car, pointing and explaining the speedo steering knuckle. He went further to check the sway bar bushing and he could tell if they were in order or not. The mechanic, Mr. Taiwo, was pleasantly surprised that the man who had employed him to examine his car had set about doing part of his job. At the end of the day, Dr. Yula had got himself worn out. On the eve of his wife's return, he thoroughly examined what he had done with his life. He was not too happy he had almost taken over the duties he had assigned to others. He had been keeping the dog while backing himself. It was telling much on his health and his precious time. On realizing it was wrong to do a chore that should be done by someone hired to do it, he vowed not to repeat that experience. Oh, yeah. Hello, I'm Andrew. In this series, I shall be reading a story that will help to illustrate popular saying And the first one on this list here is Why Keep a Dog and Back Yourself? I hope after the story you're able to find out if it actually illustrates this popular saying Why Keep a Dog and Back Yourself? Well, since I'm going to be reading, it's better I provide a preview for you so that you should be all ears while i read what does it actually mean why keep a dog and back yourself it is wrong to do something that should be done by someone hired to do it so let me go back to the story in the last portion of the month of may dr loyola went. Against his natural inclination to hire somebody to do the job, he could have performed himself. He had had always been an independent-minded person who could undertake any task within the home, except a certain level of training, expertise, was required. There were occasions outside the home where he did the same thing of accomplishing a simple task of his own accord. Such was his mindset that he had often correlated himself. When nobody was willing to do so, he prized himself before his workmates on what he had done in that regard. On May 19th, he decided he could not continue pruning the bed of flowers around his home. He sought somebody who could feed that role. It was pretty difficult getting such person to agree on what he had in mind. Because it was not every day he was expected to attend to the bouquet of flowers. Loyola had always loved flowers, and he did all he could to plant a variety of popular types. He was superciliously mad, manned or passionate about flowers, and he was ready to sacrifice anything for it. He was always filled with awe at the sight of African daisy with a twist of amaranthus. At the backdrop would be the purple mickweed and the violet pink and white flowers. He saw the lopsidedness in their growth, though he admired the luxuriance and the everyday brilliance when the rays of the sun shone on it. He needed the gardener to prune and bring out the desirable shape that would be worth the investment. It really cost him a fortune to get it done. Each time the newly employed gardener would set about his task, Dr Loyola would watch from his windows and he never failed to add a piece of advice or the other. How the gardener felt about his comments was secondary. Kenneth worked hard at his new job, and he always kept to time. He felt that would impress his employer as a serious-minded person. He dug deep to the undergrowth, clearing the way for the proper maintenance of the flowers. He straightened some entangled branches, and cut off the ones that appeared unwanted. Ethan Loyola saw the heap of branches cut down, he would question Kenneth over it. He was unfortunate to have the right equipment for his job, but he felt a strain of unease at the presence of his employer. Before he started out in his daily schedule, he would be lectured and taken through his mental pieces it was like his employer was an authority on flowers and he had a strong intention of labelling the garden as one of the low intelligence or a difficult to adapt person. At the beginning of a new year, when the rest of the family had not returned from a native home visit, Dr. Loella was finding it extremely difficult to cope with kitchen regime and other unforeseen chores. He felt what he had to eat would be as light as a summer. He would not bother anybody about it. He was even happy to see his wife and his two children off with their mother, though he looked forward to their return soon enough. He kept up with the pace of domestic activities when he saw how the gardener had settled down to his job, and he only needed a little supervision. When it came to preparing his meals, he thought he could reenact his boyhood days of rolling up his sleeves for a nice cuisine section. He promised himself a light and rustled up meal in the morning eat up in the afternoon at work and settle for a well-prepared and satisfactory meal in the evening. That was exactly where he could not resolve the hiccup. He could return and assume the strength he had in the morning, walk sluggishly to the kitchen area and ultimately make a mess of himself. There was a particular time he mistook the sink for the fireplace because he was really dog-tired. Immediately he ran an advertisement for a qualified cook and a domestic servant, he felt he was going to be fulfilled. His present need would have been met after a week of experimentation. She was recommended by one of his subordinates in his hospital job. She was a physically strong-like one of this village bred, a tolerably neat. She had these religious airs about her, and she would talk about it for ages. She had agreed to come in the morning and the evenings, because she lived a stone stroll from Dr. Loyola's house. She was good at her job, but he needed her to do something close to his palate. Once in a while, he would pop in to instruct her what and what she should not add. No matter how light and whatever the shape the me was going to take, he had his own contribution to make. It was as if he must be physically present before she could turn out a good me. He had even gone to the extent of reminding her that miss must be done on his return in the evenings which she complied with. She could have felt irate at intrusion. She did have the gods to remind him. She never did. There were unfortunate incidents in which his input made a complete disaster of many unfortunate means. She hoped he could realize how worrisome that was to her. Mrs Rotimi beat her lips and knees at this, and she looked forward to the day he would let her do her job. It was after four years according to Dr Loyola that he needed to change many of the clothes in his wardrobe. He had never grown to like tight-fitting trousers and shirts, jump up trousers and shorts to go with it. He saw himself discarding such clothes And he was desirous of getting new ones. He seriously planned to get wraps of clothes and wraps of cloths and get the tailor to have them soon to his taste. Because of the sense of urgency that attended it, he felt it was going to be a quick fix. He prayed the tailor would not be very much occupied to have his work done on time. It would be too tiresome for him to wait to have it done. He loses patience easily and he wondered what would become of him at the tailor's failure. He had worked for him in the past. He had even worked for some of his friends. Why would he spend time convincing him on why he should fast-track his own work? So, he made up his mind to visit the tailor on a Saturday morning, which he felt would be less busier than the weekdays. He met Martins of cloth, and he kick-started on what he needed the tailor to accomplish. Each time he picked up a particular wrapper of cloth. The tailor will watching for donkeys here, showing an illustration from a fashion magazine. It was quite interesting watching Dr Loyola and some of his customers. We were delighted at his show of pretended expertise at the tailoring job. It was his voice that went in crescendo and diminuendo that really fascinated all and sundry. The apprentices who stare and chuckle at his remonstrations and gesticulations. They will know that his unexpected compliments, and withdrew to his, their shares at his caustic statements. He was a daring, do sort of person, in picking up a measuring tape, another tailoring tool to define and outline what shape and size of clothes he needed. The penalty for not fulfilling it was grave, though his seriousness of it was diminished by his intermittent smiles. Again and again, Loyola went from the hemline to the ground mat, he was tridently opposed to the tailor's idea of a folded bottom, oversimplified seams and fly. He also objected to the elaborate white striped waistband and pockets. The tailor was at loss about how to dissuade him from thinking in that direction and style. He had a growing awareness that he could not openly turn him down otherwise. He would lose one of his steady customers. When he came to the shirt, Dr. Loyola sat deliberately to point out how the front panels would budge out and be ornamented with elegant fabric. He would rather he had a multicolored front placket than a plain one. The collar band had to be embedded with padded-out materials, and the same with the cuff of the long sleeves. Each time the tailor seemed to have resisted his move, he would checkmate him. He repeatedly reminded him that he did not want the suit clothes to be fit and stars so the bed loop, back yoke, and back rice must be in symmetry. If Mr. Tuchuku had to satisfy his customer, he had pretty well let Dr. Loyola in on his every step. His wife had called to inform Dr. Loyola the day she would finally return home. His immediate concern was his Lexus RS300 model, which had broken down. He had a minor accident with the taxi cab and the damages were shared. Most of the parts were malfunctioning, and his intention was to call a mechanic to assess the level of damage and what repairs could be quickly effected. This was the car his wife normally used while while his was the BMW i8, now with his wife. He needed to get the repairs right away. The mechanic was quick to point out the crack on the windscreen, and the wiper blade, the had gone rickety. There was a visible dented on the right chassis, while see pointing out the malfunctioning engine, oil filter oxygen sensor and hoses. Those were the internal parts which he eventually gave the cost of. It was while haggling for the price of the item that he almost lost his temper. The mechanic was very much at home with what the damage the car entailed, but the Dr. Loyola was not prepared to toe his line. He remembered he had done a bit of auto mechanics at a very young age, precisely in his teens. He really had to see the mechanic down to point out what needed to be done. He drew up plans which he elaborated on, and after working at the major repairs to be carried out, he handed the copy to the mechanic. If the car could be kept in good shape before her return, he would be happy about it. The following day, the mechanic arrived with two of his apprentices and set about fixing the minor areas. Dr. Loyola wore his gloves and brought out his tools to work on the suspension brake pad and the battery cables. He wasted no time in reminding the mechanic the area of the engine he will work on next. He lay underneath the car, pointing and explaining the speedo steering knuckle. He went further to check the sway bar bushing and he could tell if they were in order or not. The mechanic, Mr Taiwo, was pleasantly surprised that the man who had employed him to examine his car had set about doing part of his job. At the end of the day, Dr Leola had got himself worn out. On the eve of his wife's return, he thoroughly examined what he had done with his life. He was not too happy he had almost taken over the duties he had assigned to others. He had been keeping the dog why backing himself? It was telling much on his health and his precious time. On realizing it was wrong to do a chore that should be done by someone hired to do it, he vowed not to repeat that experience.